Welcome to Trust Yourself, the podcast, the place where we learn that trust is earned and not given, even with ourselves. I'm your host, Betsy LeFay. I'm extraordinarily glad that you're here. Stick around. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Trust Yourself. So happy to still be here in October. This is a re-release of the episode about Steve Jobs that I released, I believe, last year. I recorded this at the end of 2021, so I recorded this in December. A lot has changed, and not a lot has changed. The only thing that really has changed is my confidence. I've healed a lot more. I've gotten a lot stronger, both personally and honestly professionally. I chose to re-release this episode because it's on theme with our October message about the veil being the thinnest in October. And of course, if you haven't signed up for the DIY Spirit Seance that I hold every Halloween online, you can check out the links in the show notes or go to my website to sign up. It's on Halloween. It's, I think, the ninth annual. It's one of my favorite things to do. If you sign up and you can't make it live, you will get a copy of the replay. It is a time where you will be able to get your own psychic medium message. I've had people from nine, eight years ago still come up to me and tell me how profound their experience was. Connecting to their loved ones they've loved and lost. Sometimes connecting to their partner's loved ones that they've never met. And none of these people are psychic mediums. None of these people are used to talking to dead people. (laughs) And for those of you who are intrigued but afraid, you're just going to be sitting in your own home, listening, participating, and I promise you, my spirit bouncers are there with you. So nothing scary, no ghouls, no skeletons, even people who have died that have hurt you are not welcome anywhere near us. So there's no reason not to sign up. I hope to see you there. And I hope that you enjoy this episode. Oh, one more thing. So when I recorded this episode, I had thought that I was going to start a whole new podcast. So I've edited it so that most of the stuff referring to another podcast is out. But if you hear me talking about something and you might think it has to do with another podcast. Now you know that I actually wound up combining both ideas into Trust Yourself. Originally, this podcast was only going to be interviews, but as we've seen, especially in last season, I actually took to heart what Steve Jobs said in the bathtub. (laughs) Listen to the rest of the show to find out. I took what he said to heart and implemented it already. What is the point here? Why is this important that people be able to do this practice? Why, why do you think it's important that we be able to think about this? I, I don't think it's a practice, Kai. I think it's a sense. It, it may sound extreme, but think of the story of Helen Keller and the miracle worker. She, you know, couldn't hear, she couldn't see. When finally that sign language got through the palm of her hand and she realized that people were speaking, that everything had names. And she woke up. She was no longer quote unquote dumb. 
right? That's a term they used back then. I'm not calling Helen Keller dumb by any means. It's it's opening up to a sense that is innate in us, and that I consider these times to be the dark ages because we're disconnected from something that there's no reason other than programs fear or and as you mentioned earlier you know your fear of what other people may think and power dynamics that we can break out of it's health promoting it will help us relate to the environment without it we're in a lot of anxiety fear and doubt a super special thank you to everyone at NPR, the United States of Anxiety, and Kai for letting us use that intro that is an interview from their show, their Halloween episode, and also to Ben Taumi for letting us use his music. Um, just check out his music. He's brilliant, and he's also completely generous. So thank you to you all. When I started studying mediumship, yes, I went to psychic school <laughs> and learned to become a medium. And now I basically teach psychic school and I teach people how to be intuitive. I don't directly teach people how to be mediums, but it's all on the same spectrum. When I was learning this, my parents were terrified to tell the people that they know and love. And I kid you not, it was quite fascinating that week after week, they would come to me and tell me on the phone, like, oh my gosh, you'll never guess what. We told so-and-so in our Catholic prayer group that you you started to talk to dead people, and they had their own story. And these stories were not terrifying stories. They were stories of, you know, people seeing their mother or mother-in-law or their grandmother helping them out in a time of need. Let's start at the beginning. Back in, gosh, was it 2012 or 2011, whenever the one-year anniversary of Steve Jobs' death happened, I was living in Williamsburg with a uh, romantic partner, and Vice Magazine contacted me out of the blue. They cold contacted me and said, hey, we hear that you talk to dead people. It is the one-year anniversary of Steve Jobs' death. We would like to contact him. They called the channeling. They said, we would like you to channel him and we'd like to do an interview. I said, okay, great, fine. Now at the time, and almost to this day, it's it's similar, it's very similar. At the time, I really didn't know much about Steve Jobs. I, I knew Apple. Yes, I used Apple phones and Apple computers. Um, but I know that he was famous. I know that people know a lot about him. I know that he was powerful. Um, But that's really all that I knew. Now, my job as a psychic medium, especially as a medium, you know, all mediums are psychic, but not all psychics are mediums, right? All Muppets are puppets, but not all puppets are Muppets. What does that mean? That means if you're intuitive, I use intuitive and psychic interchangeably. When you are intuitive, then you have the ability to learn the skill of mediumship, which is identifying and speaking to spirits on the other side, but it's an advanced skill, okay? So if you are a medium, that means that you already have the ability to use your psychic abilities, and you've advanced that skill to identifying spirits on the other side. So 
as a medium, which I've been professionally for 15 years, uh, self-employed for close to 11 now. As a medium, my main job is to do what's called evidential mediumship. So that's providing evidence that is not Googleable to the sitter, the person who wants to speak to their dead people, and so that the sitter knows that they're there. However, Vice didn't really care about identifying Steve Jobs. It was kind of like, didn't really care. However, since I was relatively new to this practice, I, I don't think I was necessarily a novice, but I didn't have as much trust. You know, think of yourself uh, one year on the road driving as opposed to 15 years on the, on the road, right? So, you know, you just have a lot more experience and trust and skill under your belt. So this was relatively in the beginning. And I said to Steve, <laughs> like, Steve, we're going to be talking on a worldwide platform in a couple of days. And I don't necessarily trust you because I don't know you. So why don't you stick around for three days? I had three days until the channeling interview. Why don't you stick around and we'll get to know each other? Now, I literally did not hop on the internet and Google. That's not helpful to me as a medium. In fact, the less I know about a person, whether it be the living person sitting in front of me or their deceased loved one, the better for me. I don't look at pictures of deceased loved ones and all of that. For instance, what would not be good for me as a medium, as in it would be more difficult, it would make my job more difficult. Let's say Cindy wants to talk to her mom in spirit, Lauren. Cindy comes in with a picture of her mom, Lauren. She hands me the picture and she says, this is my mom, Lauren. She loved making jewelry and she loved to cook. And I see this picture of Lauren with brown hair in a bright yellow kitchen in her favorite outfit. But now when Lauren comes to identify herself, I can't give jewelry. I can't give, she loved to cook. I can't give, I'm seeing her in a yellow kitchen, which if that's really iconic for her, if those are the things that truly identified her or that she's remembered for, usually that's what the deceased loved one is gonna come in with. They're gonna give the strong, bold identifiers. So the less I know, the better. So I did not go on Google. All I said was, Steve, let's get to know each other over the next three days, kind of like a new house guest. But I did not tell my romantic partner this. So over the course of the next three days in this tiny Williamsburg apartment on Graham Avenue, things got really tense in my house. Now, I'll admit, you know, we didn't have the most healthy relationship, my romantic partner and I. And um, my partner's behavior got more controlling, got more demanding, got more critical of me than usual. I mean, he already was all of those things, but it got it increased. Fast forward to the day that I'm going to Vice to do this. And Vice, the headquarters was in Williamsburg. I did not need to drive. However, my partner insisted on driving me. I was all made up because I was going to the office. And on the way there, my partner screamed his head off in the car at me. I honestly don't even remember what, but just made me lose it. You know, I was crying and just my makeup was all running. I was, I literally, I think I said, like, how could you do this, right? How could you do this right before this super important event, this big media experience, you know, that I'm about to have? Well, we go into the channeling, which is more like a reading because 
the way I view channeling, it, there's different versions, but the way I view channeling is, you know, I leave my body, my soul leaves my body and Steve Jobs hops in and I speak as though I'm Steve. That is not what we did. We did it as a regular reading. Uh, unfortunately, I, I did search the internet recently for a different reason than this podcast, and I was not able to find the original Vice article, only these iterations, because the Vice article made a big splash, and it was like translated into like 13 languages, and all these news media around the world really twisted the original article and the original words. So if you did look something up about Medium channel Steve Jobs on his one year anniversary, you're going to see a whole bunch of twisted words. They're not what was conveyed in the original sitting. And Vice actually did a very good job of relaying exactly what went on. Well, we do the interview and I'll just add, you know, once the interview was done, I really could probably feel the stress in the vice headquarters. I mean, it was this big open floor plan with all these desks. I don't know if there were cubicles or not, if it was just open, but I said to the two people interviewing me, I was like, Hey, like you can really cut the tension with a knife in here. And they're like, well, that's the way it usually is. And I was like, yeah, but is it stronger today? Cause it's super strong. And they're like, actually, yeah, we did notice today that people are extra stressed. And I was like, it's because Steve is here. <laughs> So I said, you know, can I have some permission to speak to the floor? So we literally made everyone stop working. I don't even know. There might have been 50 people working. And I was like, oh, excuse me. Hey, I know you guys are usually stressed, but if you're more stressed today, here's the reason why. And I just gave them sort of a de-stressing exercise and told them to be extra kind to themselves and other people. Uh, in that interview, you know, Steve mentioned that when he transitioned out of his body into spirit, that he learned that he missed his main lesson. And he says the reason why he came to this planet was to build the empire that he did and build the technology that he did without destroying the earth and without destroying people's self-esteem and without destroying relationships. So most people know more about Steve Jobs than I do because you've watched the documentaries or you've done some Googling or you're just interested in people like him. But you can just imagine being a perfectionist, being someone so powerful, someone so focused on success, probably feeling like they did a good job, to be honest. And then sort of game over you're out of the school of life and you're met with your spirit team and they say, hey, good job. And what happened? Look at the destruction that you left. Yes, you did all these wonderful things. I'm recording on an Apple computer right now. You did all these wonderful things, but look at the damage that you also caused. And in that original interview, he had shared that I, I don't believe, personally, Betsy Le Fay, I don't believe in purgatory or limbo. And that is not what he described as it, but he did describe it as a sort of soul retreat rehab, as it were. It kind of showed me this, like, just kind of like if you went to, like, a really posh rehab facility in California with spas and sun and cucumbers over your eyes or whatever they have. I've never been there before. But he described that he was fractured. Um, 
And he was in a state, this was a whole year later after his passing, of immense healing and soul retrieval to become whole again. Uh, now we're, you know, I don't know how many years later, it's, it's almost 2022 and he's definitely in a different state. I can tell you that. And I'll tell you how I know that as we progress with this story. Side note, Vice also had me do this with Whitney Houston on the one year anniversary of her passing. She also described a similar state of being where she was in sort of this whole rehab, as it were, which I had never heard of before these two told me about it. Um, but they, they never published that article because it was too real, because it wasn't um, grungy enough. You know, Vice has a very specific sort of audience and target. And um, it was real stuff, but I think it might have been too wholesome for their tastes. So Whitney described being in a, in a similar place that, yes, she had an amazing career, but she also not that she like created so much destruction, but that she was she was ragged and she was in a place of healing. So that was what a decade ago. And I really haven't thought about it that much. Well, now we bring ourselves back to October 2020. October 2020, uh, it's a pandemic, thick of, thick of the pandemic. And I moved in with my parents, like many adult children did. I had the advantage of taking care of them because they needed a lot of help. And while I was there in October in upstate New York, we had a really big storm and the power went out. And it was during this time, I was upstairs in my room alone. You know, there's no electronics, there's no Wi-Fi. I can't be on my computer. I can't be on my phone. I can't listen to music. It's very cold as well. Uh, October in upstate New York can be cold. And literally, basically out of nowhere, Steve Jobs comes to me. Now, people, I was just as shocked as you. <laughs> I'll be completely honest. You know, in the movies, when... You know, maybe someone's flirting across the room and they like send a wink, a wink and the person receiving the wink, they sort of like look over both their shoulders and like point to their chest and like me, like are, me, are you, are you sure? Like, really? Me? <laughs> that is literally what my reaction was. Wait a minute. For real? Like, what are you doing here? But what I realized, I, I, I really just took a look at my track record. And in the 15 years I've been doing readings, just as one statistic, one measurable statistic, in the 15 years I've been doing readings, I have never been wrong in predicting the sex of a child, an unborn child, sometimes preconceived, and several times when both parents were deemed infertile. So there's this one case where this infertile couple, both, both parents were deemed infertile. They were looking to adopt and they came to me for a reading um, and they were concerned about the child that they were going to adopt for reasons I won't share for their privacy. And I said, well, yeah, I mean, the adoption is going to be great. It's going to be fine with that kid. And by the way, once you adopt that kid, you're going to get pregnant with your own biological child, which was deemed impossible by medical science for both of them. And guess what? Now they have two kids. 
there's been times where somebody didn't know they were pregnant. There's been times when they found out they were just pregnant and didn't tell anyone. And each and every single time, whatever the sex of that child has been, has been completely right on. There are 12 year olds walking around now that I have met that I spoke to before they were even conceived when both parents were wondering if they should have a third child, for instance. It's really cool to meet these people after I've spoken to them before they incarnated. So I put all those statistics together. I know I'm a fantastic medium. So after I sort of looked over both shoulders, even though I was alone in my room, speaking to a dead person, a famous dead person, I finally conceded. And I said, okay, Steve, you're here. Now, what's really cool about this is Early on in my mediumship development, there were a couple of instances that were, you know, as, as we might call, you know, really freaky, but they're just the way I live my life now. I share all of those stories in last episode, I See Dead People. So if you haven't listened to that one, it's a really good one and it explains really the background about how and why I was able to trust that this was actually Steve Jobs coming through. When Steve Jobs is here and I recognize, well, yeah, for 15 years, I've been pretty accurate, uh, to say the least. So I'm like, all right, Steve, what do you got? And he actually tells me to take a mushroom journey. And I think a lot of people who know anything about Steve Jobs knows that he used psychedelics for uh, advancing himself in all areas. I myself use psychedelic mushrooms as a ceremonial and healing tool. It's been a very long time. It's been years since I've used them because of set and setting is so important. So that means your surroundings, who you're with, your current mood, all of those things really play a big part in how your experience is. And I'll just be honest, you know, in the pandemic, I wasn't able to find a set and setting that I felt would be of the highest good, that would be clean, that would be clear, that would be beneficial. So Steve comes in and he's just straight up. He's like, do a mushroom ceremony. He's like, do it. Now, it's really cool. I know this is why he could not contact me before, because my entourage, as I call them, my spirit entourage, it's my ancestors, my guides, ascended masters that I work with. Now Steve's on the team. Yep. Steve, you're here. Um, This is before he was, though, (laughs) officially. Up until this point, if someone who I viewed as powerful, whether they be in spirit or in real life, let's say that I had a boss or someone that I really looked up to, or even a partner that like, I was maybe afraid of that I thought was smarter than me, some authoritative figure would come in and say, make sure you do this. And it would prompt me to do that thing, but out of people pleasing, out of fear, out of anxiety, like, oh, I better get, you know, I better turn my homework in. I better do good, right? Which is a fearful-based action, right? Oh, I better do it. It's people-pleasing. It's fearful. It's not self-actualized. It's not coming from within saying like, I would really like to get this done by X, Y, and Z, right? It's like, oh, shoot, somebody needs me to do something. So I just recently reached this point where I was like, yeah, I'm my own inner authority. 
I trust myself above anyone else, truly. So when Steve came to me, I didn't have any fear that like, oh, Steve's telling me I should do this. I should do this. What I did, though, was I gave it a lot of careful consideration. And literally for about three months time, I was kind of rolling in the back of my mind being like, yeah, like, all right, what would be the set and setting? Maybe my friend will give me their cabin for the week or I could go visit so-and-so and we could do it together. Um, you know, when I do this, I, 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 it is a very, it's ceremony. So in the beginning, you know, we have an intention, we open up and have a whole opening ceremony. And when it's done, we have a closing ceremony with intentions and all of that. It's not like I'm going to take them and go to an amusement park. Although if you do, you do, you go, <laughs> no judgment. It's just not how I'm using them. So for about three months time, it was kind of rolling in the back of my head, like, all right, you know, Steve gave this prompt. And, and I do agree. Every time I do mushrooms, it shows me something usually about love, about family, about connection, about healing. It brings me back to the basics of human goodness and shows me where I might be inhibiting that. It was about three months later when I literally just didn't find a suitable set and setting. There just wasn't. I'd entertained all these ideas. So at this point, I don't know if, I think it was a mutual thing, Steve coming to me and me coming to Steve. And I was like, hey, Steve, like, you told me to do this, but like, I haven't found a place that's been appropriate yet. This is the most shocking part to me. I was like, hey, Steve, you know, I didn't do those mushrooms. And he was like, I know, I apologize. And I'm like, what? You're apologizing to me. And he's like, yeah, I gave you bad advice. If it were me, as in Steve's talking, Steve's saying, if it were me, that's what I would do. But I can see now that you work differently and that it was just simply not appropriate. Like your judgment was the best judgment. And it was simply not appropriate over these last three months to do a mushroom ceremony. And again, like I was just like super shocked. I'm like, whoa. And it was at this time as well that I was like, Steve, why are you coming to me? Like, I'm, I'm about to like cry right now. It's like, Steve, why are you coming to me? What out of all the people, like there are surely other mediums who can talk to you. Like, I don't understand why you're working with me. I'm not calling on you. I'm not asking you to help me. And he basically said there was a reason why I was chosen to channel him on the one-year anniversary and that why he's coming to work with me now. And the reason being, it's not that I'm the antithesis. It's not that I'm better. It's not that I'm worse, right? I'm no better or no worse than you, dear listener. We're all equal. But this is what he told me. When you look at the lessons that he missed, these are the lessons that I've dedicated my life to. Treating people with kindness and compassion, no matter what. Not getting angry, not blaming, not shaming. And also, I've dedicated my life to creating nature preserves. So I said, okay, I mean, that seems like some big shoes, but at the same time, it makes complete sense to me with what you missed and what I'm doing. It does seem 
as though I have dedicated my life to teaching everything that you missed. So let's partner. Um, and he keeps telling me that I have equally as a beautiful mind as he does, which I will also extend to you, dear, dear listener. So this is not the first time that I've, I've had someone on the other side apologize or not apologize, um, say that they've made mistakes. You know, once you, once you leave your body, you're not all powerful. You're not all knowing. You're not God, God is the universe. You get to review your life, your mistakes. You get to celebrate. You get to help those who are still on the planet. And even my guides, your guides, your spirit guides have guides. And those guides have guides. This whole chain. I like to think of the angel in It's a Wonderful Life, right? So he's an angel. He's got a boss, right? In the beginning, he's talking to his boss. The boss sends him down for an assignment, and he's got a big task. He has to give some tough love, right? So at the end of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, he actually shows, right, that it is better that this man remained living. He saved so many lives and was so influential and so such a good positive influence in so many people's lives. And then what? Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings, right? So then he gets his wings, he graduates. So just because you're on the other side or you're a guy does not mean that you are perfect. And kudos, honestly, even right now, Steve, for being able to be humble now. That's, that's extraordinarily powerful. Well, this leaps and bounds, I won't swear. So I'm like, well, that's way cool. Like, thanks for that. So it was a few months later, again, I'm upstairs in my room alone at my parents' place. And I decide that I want to have a deeper connection with those that I've loved and lost. My family members, I have friends who have passed, and at the time I didn't realize why, but I think it was because uh, I was in a, a really horrific situation with my family, which I'm very open about. You can go on YouTube and watch the whole thing if you want. I was leading up, there was leading up to a, a, a tremendous break is, is what it was leading up to, but I didn't know at the time. So I really did need all the help that I could get. And if you can't get it in the living, yeah, well, where are you going to turn to? So as I'm gathering photos of the people I've loved and lost, I'm like, well, you know, Steve is here. I might as well put Steve up there in this collage that I'm making. And I'm looking for a picture of Steve. And it's not, it's not because Steve was unattractive. It's not because the photos were bad. I just didn't find a picture that I really liked that I wanted to put up there. So I come across this one that's a little bit more artistic. It's got some colors on it. So this photograph has a Steve Jobs quote on it. It says, the thing about smart people is they sound crazy to dumb people. I'll say that again. The thing about smart people is they sound crazy to dumb people. So I was like, well, this is the photo I like. But I actually did not like that quote. Why? Growing up, the word stupid was an insult. So is dumb. If you told someone, if you told me to shut up, 
I would be offended. That was a hurtful word, let alone like actual swear words. These were words that were very sharp. I mean, I was taught that they were sharp. Um, The word stupid, the word dumb is a swear word like the word retarded. Okay, so now it's it's been for a while now. We do not call people retarded. That is a really terrible name. Right. As I said, I worked with developmentally disabled people. Formerly, they were called retarded. Then they were called developmentally disabled. And now the word retarded is weaponized in the same way as stupid. Right. So I did not like this quote, yet I put it up. And again, I'm a couple weeks later, I'm just sitting by myself and I'm thinking about how I really misunderstood. A lot of people, this again, as I shared in the beginning of the show, that people are triggered and they're suppressing me because I'm powerful and I'm speaking and feeling the authentic truth and I'm not afraid, but I didn't know that that's why they were suppressing me at the time. And I was thinking, you know, a lot of people who have a different way of thinking get ostracized get made fun of, they maintain positivity for so long. And then as the years go by and they get beat down and misunderstood and beat down and called names and blamed and shamed and ostracized, their enthusiasm and positivity for life go down as well as their health, as well as their will to live. Their anger and blame increases. And I'm just gonna say it, a lot of people kill themselves. I'll tell you people, I'm an an anomaly in many ways. Apparently it's normal to have thoughts of killing yourself or killing someone else. Apparently that's like statistically normal. I've never had either one of those thoughts. I've never even had a thought to take my own life. But I was thinking about, Like, I can understand why people in a similar position to me, whether they'd be engineers or whatnot, why they would get beaten down to the point where they had no will to live. And, you know, I was feeling isolated and lonely and completely misunderstood. And that's when Steve says to me, you have encyclopedias of knowledge that are so nuanced that need to be heard. I mean, I Betsy Le Fay needs to be heard, let alone these ideas. I mean, they, they go hand in hand now. They're inseparable now, but they are two different concepts. And he said, make a podcast. And I was like, okay, Steve, I can see that. You know, I could just speak for hours. And whether people listen when I'm alive or listen when I'm dead, it doesn't matter to me. Well, it does matter to me, but at least they'll be able to hear it. So I will share just in the sort of ending minutes of this episode, my further interactions with Steve. And he's here for this whole recording. Um, Many times as I've been speaking, I've been seeing very many sparks in my vision, which we'll go over in future shows. But those are encouragement. They're signs of you're hitting a deep point. You're speaking a real truth. We're applauding you. 
So very many times, uh, especially when I'm talking about apologizing and things like this, I was seeing lots of sparks. So right on there. I wound up getting ejected from my biological family over the summer. Again, I'm an open book about it. It's just not what this episode's about. If you want to know the real deal, go to YouTube. So after I was ejected, I was in a bathtub and in a non-creepy way, because this is the second time water has shown up on this show, right? I was in the cruise and we were in the middle of the ocean. And salt water is a great conductor of energy. So I was in a salt water bath. Yeah, so last episode, I See Dead People, I explained about how water is a great conductor of energy, salt water, and how being on a cruise really helped me increase my trust in my mediumship. I have a standing order with my entire spirit entourage that if I need privacy, you know, if I'm having sexy time with myself or with other people, for instance, that they will not come around and they don't. It's just a standing order. There's no creepy spirits around, to be honest. So in a non-creepy way, really, um, I'm just in the bath and I hear in a full voice, Steve saying, um, it actually didn't, uh, it didn't come across as Steve per se. At the moment, I did ask who gave this to me and Steve said he was the megaphone, but that he was not alone. So it's not like I heard Steve's voice. I just heard a voice in my head that said, we are going to guarantee that you make your financial goals and that you make them quickly. And I said, oh, that's cool. Now, what are my financial goals, people? I will not give you the actual number. It is a really, really big number, but it's because of the nature preserves. In order to make one nature preserve, you need to have lots of money. In order to make multiple nature preserves, you need to have a ton of money. So the more people that take my class trust yourself, the closer we get to creating nature, more nature preserves, right? So this voice, which later we find out is Steve at the helm of who knows how many other individuals, says, we are going to guarantee that you make this financial goal. And I'm like, cool, but what's the but? You need to tell your story. Now, I'm an open book. I pretty much will talk to anyone who's respectful and curious about anything in my life. I don't have things to hide. I don't have shame and I don't blame either. I take 100% responsibility for my entire life and all my decisions. So I'm like, so, you know, we're going to make sure you make your financial goals, but you need to tell your story. I say, great. And just like that, the light in the bathroom suddenly changes from regular light to ultraviolet light, literally, like not just like in my head. So it was all the way across the room from the light switch, did not touch it. There was no other physical person in the room, not even my cat. And as soon as I said, okay, the light switches to purple. So at the time I had assumed that it was my experience with Munchausen by proxy. And that was a tall order because I don't like blame or shame. I don't like sensationalizing. And I also don't like indignance. I feel like indignance itself is like the world's sickness. I don't even feel like COVID is a problem as much as indignance. Um, I mean, I'm, that's, a, that's a hyperbole, a hyperbolic statement. So I was like, okay, I'll tell that story. And that, that took a couple of weeks because I 
the only models I've seen of people making videos of their trauma in the past is full of indignance. How could they, da, 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 victim, shaming, blaming, all of that. And um, as I did a little bit of research, you know, I kept hearing from my entourage, like, you can't do research on this because you're going to create something that's never been created before. You can't look to what people have done before, especially if you don't like it. You just need to do it another way. So I made that video. It's up, right? This podcast is as much of a stretch for me as was that Munchausen video. Yeah, so when I was just saying this podcast, I was referring to that second podcast that I was thinking I was going to start. But as you know, instead, I combined the two. So the podcast that you're listening to now, Trust Yourself with Betsy LaFay, is a combination between the interviews and me sharing the real deal. I do believe that, hey, if you feel like we're doing great in the environment, the environment's just fine, right? Plastics are just fine. Um, Our families are just fine. Um, Narcissism is not a problem in our world. Our political system is perfect. Race relations, no problem. No such thing as racism. If you believe those things, don't listen to this podcast. Don't change. Don't learn to trust yourself. Our world is run by logic and science only currently. It's run by black and white thinking, right and wrong thinking, and codependent thinking. Even now, our free speech is limited. That's fear-mongering. That is a violation of our rights. And if you, because you're the only one who can do it, if you don't find deep inside where you're afraid of your own power. When you, if you don't get over the fear of, if I change or let my true self out, people will fill in the blank, whatever your fear is, they'll leave me, they'll shame me, they'll blame me, they'll sue me. Then you've given your power away. There are articles out there that say, narcissism is our future. It makes complete sense. The only way to stop that is for you to stop blaming, period. Take full responsibility. Learn to trust yourself and walk that path. You're not alone. That's why this podcast exists. So I just want to give a special shout out to my friend Steve here. Thank you, Steve. Uh, He's not the same person that he was when he was alive. He's not the same person that he was when a year after his death, when we talked first. And for some reason, the reason that we have already gone over, he has decided to partner with me. And I'm floored, grateful, honored, and very humbled. I'll be completely honest. Like, really, 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 really humbled. Um, So if you want to call me crazy, we'll just repeat what uh, Steve says here. The thing about smart people is they sound crazy to dumb people. 
So that's where we'll leave it, people. If you are interested in learning how to trust your intuition in the face of fear, doubt, and uncertainty, which, hey, there's plenty of fear, doubt, and uncertainty now. It's only going to get increased unless you learn to trust yourself. You can head over to BetsyLaFay.com, and I have a free training all about exactly how to trust your intuition in the face of fear, doubt, and uncertainty. Well, that's it, everyone. I so appreciate you being here. Thanks, Steve, once again. And uh, good news for him that he's apologizing now. That is the thing that hit me the most in editing this podcast. He was famous for not taking ownership or apologizing for things while he was alive. And that's a big problem when you're talking about dealing with other people and being a quote-unquote good person. So the fact that he's able to do that now is good news for him. And honestly, that's what struck me the most listening back. So thanks again for being here. And until next time, may your intuition be with you. This episode of Trust Yourself, the podcast is created, written, and produced by me, your host, Betsy LeFay. Music provided by the amazing and generous Ben Taumi. Thanks, Ben. If you'd like to find out more about me and my work, and specifically how you can trust your intuition, head over to BetsyLeFay.com. Thanks again for being here. See you next time. Oh yeah, and if you like the show, please subscribe and give us a review. It's one of the best ways to help us get the word out to other people like you. Of course, if you know anyone else that would find this podcast helpful, pass it along to them. Sharing is caring. <laughs>